You're listening to the Art Problems Podcast, Episode 9. I'm your host, Patty Johnson. This is the podcast where we talk about how to get more shows, grants, and residencies. And on today's show, we're going to take a look back at 2022, which was a year of adjustment and change for many of us. I think there were a lot of challenges, inflation for one thing. Many of us moved to smaller cities. And I also feel like a lot of us are reaching the age where our parents or other relatives need care. That's not specific to 2022, of course, but I think it's worth noting that the life of a mid-career artist is in no way, shape, or form easy. And I think that's why it's so important to set goals and create a roadmap based on where we want to go and be so that we can make the gains that we want to see in our career. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit at the end of the episode when we start to discuss what 2023 can look like. So just know that that's coming. Now, when I think about what artists needed this year in 2022 in terms of support, I'd say that a lot of it centered around needing to pick up new skills on social media and not having a lot of time to make work, show work, and promote it. And for a lot of artists, I think there was struggle with the commercial market, either trying to find ways to participate within it without compromising what you're making or wanting to avoid it while still feeling relevant and visible. And there was a lot of negotiation between those two poles too. So what were the specific conditions in forming 2022? Let's do it. This is the episode to talk about that. And let's start with nobody's favorite subject, social media. It used to be much easier to connect with curators and gallerists and other artists on Instagram. This year, we dealt with declining use, having to learn reels in a world of Instagram glitches. I'm sure there are many other problems that we had with social media and Instagram in particular, but those three things I think alone were top of mind. And it really kind of caused the question, is Instagram even helpful to artists? Inside my membership network, I've definitely worked with a lot of artists who have gotten shows and sales from it this year. So it definitely still works, but it's very different, right? The experience is different. Social media is the new TV. It's what we watch. It's less what we work, what we look at. And I think that distinction is really meaningful for artists because what we're used to thinking about is how people look at things. So what do people want to watch? Basically, reality television. They want to see behind the scenes. They want to learn about the artists. And we want to feel like we're getting special access to your studio. And that's something that is not new, right? Like the art world has been selling access for eons. And if you can make that access feel kind of special, then you'll really be able to connect with more people. I would say... In an honest assessment of what I saw in early 2022, I saw zero reels. Then I saw by artists. Then I saw a lot of terrible artist reels. Then I think what's really replaced that has been a lot of pretty good artist reels. You all have, some of you have gotten really, really good at this, and it's really exciting to see. But let's be honest about this because 
not everyone wants their face to be on their art. Not everybody wants to spend so much time on social media. And that's really what's required of us if we want to use social media. And I also want to be clear that you're not a content creator. You shouldn't try to become one, especially if you don't like the platform. You're an artist. You need to be in your studio. So I think the question of how much time is enough time is sort of a perennial one. And I personally think that if you spend two days a week posting, meaning you post one post twice a week, and the rest of the time you spend just talking with people on Instagram, that's going to do you just fine. You will still grow. And more importantly than growing, like the point isn't to get on there and get a lot of followers. The point is to get on there and to talk to people that you haven't talked to before that might be interested in your work, right? Like that's the whole point. I'd say that there also is a little bit of good news for people who just do not want to spend their time on social media. Most of us can now visit a gallery without fear for our lives. So in-person networking is coming back. So I think one of the things that I want you to think of, I want to encourage you to think about is like, what kind of networking can you do consistently? Because none of your efforts in any other area of your studio practice are going to work if you can't consistently commit to networking of some kind. Now, the truth is, is that 2022 didn't change the fundamentals of the art business. Not even the pandemic did that. If you want more people to see your art, you have to constantly be networking. That's a non-negotiable. So what that means is traveling to places to see art and to see people. It means researching people on social media. It means connecting to people on social media. It means following the news so that you have things to talk to people about beyond your own work, right? It also means talking to people just in general. And one of the ways that we do this is by going to events like the art fairs. Now, I said earlier this year that the art fairs will not continue to have the presence they've had in the past. And I still largely believe this to be true. It does not mean that they are going away. But one thing that has not gone away just yet is market saturation. There are still a million art fairs out there. There's so much art fair. There are so many events to see. Now, nobody knows why Art Basel's global director, Mark Spiegler, left Art Basel after 20 years at the helm. But I guess speculation here that the fair has seen better days. It was also taken over by Rupert Murdoch two years ago. So conceivably, maybe there was some butting of heads, but all of that is unclear. You know, we don't know what happened. Now, Art Basel is the biggest art fair in the art world. And even it has competition in the U.S. from like Freeze and the Armory and, and these bigger fairs. And I think one thing that Art Basel needs to think, needs to be doing is to, to figure out like what distinguishes it from from those other fairs. Now, now, these fairs are still good for identifying trends and revealing economic conditions. So just superficially, I'll say that ceramics seems to be on its way out. Painting that uses impasto stenciling is suddenly everywhere. 
On the economic side of things, I think we're seeing less material experimentation. And I'd argue that that's due to the expense of these fairs, but also, this is something we don't talk about, the expense of life in general, which has gone up, right? Like, yeah, there's inflation and all of that, but the cost of living is so much more than it ever used to be. You need a phone. You need to pay for certain apps. You need to pay for computer software. You need to pay for a subscription for basically every area of your life. Now, I run a membership adding another subscription cost to your life, but I will say that that is like everything else. You need these things now that you didn't use to need. And I haven't even gotten into schools and all of the expense related to that. Now, social media has a cost too. For example, Twitter has a cost. You can pay to get that blue check mark the so you're authenticated. Now, it probably doesn't mean, well, what am I saying? I would say that Twitter, if you've never been on Twitter, now is not a good time to join. As you likely know, Twitter is now owned by billionaire Elon Musk. I'm still on Twitter because I have 15 years of history on the platform and it's still useful to me as a news aggregate. But also, Donald Trump hasn't joined back, which was the deal breaker for me. In truth, Elon seems to be cut from the same cloth, but I haven't yet made that proclamation that I would leave for him. Anyway, for those of you who read the New York Times article in September about artists who are disenchanted with Instagram and are finding new connections on Twitter, I think you can forget about those particular examples as a model. I lost over 3,000 followers in a week when Elon took over, and those were active users. They weren't like dead accounts or something like that. These were, there were a lot of artists that left the platform. So for the handful of artists who are still on Twitter, Elon's wrecking ball is going to affect you. But for the vast majority of you, you'll be able to get your news from the ever dwindling number of arts publications. And on that subject, Artform has recently been acquired by Penske Media. Now, I don't know if I'm saying that name right. It's P-E-N-S-K-E, the same company that owns Artnet and Art in America. This is a consolidation. I don't see this as a sign of strength. To me, it seems like a sign of weakness. Art News and Art in America Everybody I knew, whoever worked for them, got paid really late. It always seemed like the the company barely had money. The fact that Artform has been acquired by them, I don't really know what it means, but it does mean, I think, that, that there's just less variety in the publishing marketplace. And we know that because Artsy has all but stopped publishing, and that leaves hyperallergic Artnet News, the Art Newspaper, and the Brooklyn Rail as the larger publications. And Hyperallergic and the Brooklyn Rail, to some extent, will cover artists outside of the blue chip art scene, but nobody else, really. So if you want your work written about, for most of us, we're going to need to find these smaller, typically artist-run publications like Two Coats of Paint, Burn Away, Archfield, those types of things. So that's it. That's a challenge. And that's why that's why social media isn't going away for us, even when it doesn't quite work, because we we don't have a replacement. 
Now, another thing affecting the art scene this year has been the economic downturn. It doesn't it hasn't really affected rich people that much, but <laughs> so people are still buying art. But in a recent Art Basel panel, chief financial correspondent at Axios, Felix Salmon, said that normal recessions won't really affect the vast majority of the middle class. And he describes normal recessions as, as recessions is like a recession from like 2001 or the recession from the 90s. And he said that what we one of the problems we have right now is that we're just used to these emergencies because the last over the last 20 years that's what we've had we've had the the stock market crisis in 2007 and then of course the, of course the pandemic those crises crises are very difficult very scary but an average re- recession is less so and he felt that it wouldn't be super felt by most of the people in the room i would push back against that a little bit because I feel like a lot of people, a lot of artists that I work with have been affected by these cutbacks. And certainly we already know that the amount of money available to artists via these tech companies is greatly diminished. So Meta has significantly downsized its open arts program and we're seeing cutbacks across the industry. And this means there's less money for artist commissions. I expect that this won't turn around until the summer of 2023. And when I say this won't turn around, I'm referring to the recession. But as we know, it doesn't take that much time for money to disappear in the arts. And it takes a lot longer for it to return. In fact, normally we really have to claw it back. And the arts has also seen a lot of money disappear over the last few years in the philanthropic world to causes that seem more urgent, like climate change. So I think there are real questions about how we can get that money directed to creative thinkers who desperately need it, and the world that I think desperately needs your voices. And of course, one of the things that we have seen over the last couple of years are artists that are working directly with science scientists and, and sort of more squarely in those fields and using their their sort of creative powers that way. I mean, there's been there's always been cross-pollination, but I think that this sometimes what we see now is a social practice that is, I think like I'm not even sure the right way to put it, but there's there's sort of the art is really just the artist. It's the artist's perspective. And that's something that I think we may see more of. Now, where there are challenges, there are opportunities. And I'd say that fewer exist in the world of philanthropy than they do in the making your own weather, as it were. And I have this heading, this is called DIYing it all the way to the bank. And what I mean, what I'm talking about here is that one of the phenomenons that we're starting to see is Artists who are opting to work entirely on their own with the help of platforms like Art Fair and connections with art advisors who typically pay out much more quickly than galleries. So up until recently, artists have really had limited ability to represent themselves successfully or they fell into the category of artist influencer, which typically uses a much different aesthetic language than gallery represented art. And what we're seeing is a kind of a grain out between those two poles. So rather than there being like nothing, 
in between, we're starting to see some some gray area there. And so I think there's some opportunity for artists for whom that makes sense. Now, institutional placement tends to be a little bit more difficult without the support of a gallery. But I will also say that a lot of times smaller galleries have really failed on that front in it in any event. So you may not be losing that much if your gallery wasn't working for you in that way anyway. If you want to make a living off your art and you don't mind handling the logistics, I do think that there are more opportunities for you than ever before. And that's only going to increase in 2023. Now, at the higher levels of the art world, one of the things that we're seeing is artists who have so much clout that they can command special deals and arrangements with their galleries. Now, that's beyond where most of us are now. But I think it's important to know that this happens because it means that you're not beholden to a standard if you break it, if it doesn't make sense for you. So let me give you an example here. In the art world, it is rumored, and this is just a rumored example, so take this with a a grain of salt, but I did hear it from a reputable source, that Jasper Johns gets a 90-10 split on his artwork. So if the standard split between a gallery is 50-50, that's the standard split, Jasper Johns is getting 90% of the sale, and Matthew Marks' gallery is getting 10%. And it is known that some of the bigger artists at some of the larger galleries, they may get as much as 70% split. So when you have that level of clout, when you are doing well, you can do things on your own. Now, more visible models in other industries exist. So I think probably the best known example, and forgive me for even mentioning this, but Kanye, his Yeezy products, which accounted for 8% of Adidas sales, like that meant that his contract was worth an estimated $1.5 billion. Now, the company did finally cancel his contract after prolonged public pressure due to his anti-Semitic remarks, thankfully, but that's where things are. Now, the other thing that I think is really important to maintaining your autonomy, which I think you should do no matter what, and I've talked about this before, that you need a mailing list. Because look, your art career is more than just what you sell in your studio. And you need a mailing list for that too. You can use a mailing list to get teaching work, to get speaking engagements. A lot of opportunities come from your mailing mailing list. Your mailing list is money. You can't use a mailing list if you haven't built one. So I recommend making that a priority in 2023 absolutely over almost anything else for most artists that I talk to, that is the priority that I would recommend them setting. And finally, I wanted to address one last thing, which I think is this feeling like after two years of the pandemic, I think a lot of us were feeling really burnt out heading into 22 and feeling also like pretty invisible. But I also wanted to say that I saw during that time, during 2022, I saw artists making incredible gains in their studio, in their ability to do outreach and their ability to secure shows and their ability to get grants and residencies and all those things. And a lot of times all that's needed for that is just a small mental shift, the right tools and the willingness to push through the fear of failure. 
So there's a lot of success and I've got, there was a lot of success that I saw last year. And I think I predict that I'm going to see even more this year. And I've got some tools lined up for you so that you can set some goals and you can get started in 2023. And honestly, you guys, I'm like so excited about this. I think it's really going to help you and we are going to crush it. So I'm going to be talking about that very soon. So stay tuned for that. That's another episode. Thank you for listening. If you like the show, please leave a review and share it with a friend. It really helps get that valuable information out to more artists just like you. You can find all of the names and the links that we reference in this conversation at workshop.art slash podcast.